welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Bigfoot. Specifically, we ask the question, is Bigfoot a non-human entity, or what we commonly call an NHE? And if so, does Bigfoot have anything to do with the many people who go missing in our national parks every year? Now, the first article I link to, uh, which you can find on UFO Warning on Twitter, go there at uh, at Warning Sub UFO, and this uh, article has to do with uh, David Blytus, and he does a lot of work with the 411 Missing Project, and in this article here that's downloaded from Mystery Wire, he talks about what's called the Nevada Triangle, and if we look at this, we go down into the uh, article ways it says, for nine years, former police officer turned author David Politis has scoured through about 20,000 missing person files based on very specific criteria. He's whittled them down to about 1,200 seemingly inexplicable mysteries, people who vanished under unusual circumstances. Now, if you listen uh, to Mr. Blytus at all reads books, you know that he does some pretty thorough work. He also does a lot of research into the Bigfoot phenomena, but he seems like he uh, pretty intentionally doesn't uh, want to mix the two things together as far as his Bigfoot research and the his missing people research goes. Now, on the, mar- on the article here, uh, as I said, you can go to UFO Warning on Twitter. While you're there, you can do a follow. You can see they have a, a triangular shape um, posted here on this map going from uh, Reno south to Fresno and then uh, east to Las Vegas. And actually, it intersects the Nevada test site and comes pretty close to Area 51. He says, it says, Blytus says, uh, he whittled down 1,200 seemingly inexplicable inexplicable mysteries, people who vanished under unusual circumstances. Then, quote, and then I pulled out a map of Nevada and California and almost fell out of my seat, Blytus said because the largest cluster zone we've ever established is in that Nevada Triangle. And there's two other clusters that are also in that triangle. In a series of books, Missing 411, Plytus has identified dozens of clusters, many of them national parks or forests, where the number of missing is way out of the ordinary. Three of these clusters exist within the Nevada Triangle, including at the top of the list, Yosemite National Park. And it goes on, it says, there's no concrete one item that you can say that is causing that, Blytus said. And because of no tracks, no scent trail, no witnesses to these events, we've had people say, well, it's got to be UFOs, it's got to be reptilians, it's got to be Bigfoot, it's got to be this. In reality, I don't think you can say it's just one thing, he said. Often, the missing vanish into thin air, even when they are hiking in a group. Dogs are unable to pick up any scent. There are no tracks. Small children who vanish are found days later, many miles away, over mountain ranges. Human abductions and animal attacks are ruled out. For years, Politis requested list of missing persons from the National Park Service, but was told they don't keep any such list. Most recently, Yosemite officials have opened up. It might be 10 years later, something might be found. It could be a piece of clothing, it could be a shoe, it could be something that could bring some clues or bring some sort of revolution, some sort of resolution, he said. Politis has investigated cases 
closer to home, including the 1966 disappearance of six-year-old Larry Jeffrey of Henderson, who vanished while with his family on Mount Charleston, and in the 1977 case of a missing woman near Tonopah. Some have tried to link the mystery to the Area 51 military base, but that facility is far to the east of the Triangle's boundaries. While speaking to a national conference of search and rescue experts, Politis was addressed by a pair of state troopers, and they said, Dave, you're talking about things that nobody in this room wants to talk about. Everybody knows it's going on. Everybody here faces it, but nobody wants to talk about it. Well, when people start talking in generalities like that about keeping secrets, it really makes you wonder, what do they know? Now, if we would, we have, and in a lot of these areas that Politis is investigating, these are extremely um, vast uh, wilderness areas, just the kind of places where people report the sighting of Bigfoot. And the problem with the Bigfoot sightings, though, is often, even though sometimes they lose tracks, a lot of times when people see these things, it's almost like seeing a ghost. If they see tracks, the tracks disappear. Uh, they don't. They often don't find a, a particular um, structures that these animals would have built. I mean. They almost are like a, some kind of a crossover where, yes, they appear in the physical room, excuse me, in the physical realm, but at the same time, they disappear just as quickly as they appear. And you have to stop and think about it. If this thing is seven, eight foot tall, weighs four or five hundred pounds, how many calories a day would it have to take in just to survive? I mean, they're the size of a small elephant, for crying out loud. It almost seems like these things are some type of non human entity that appear but just intermittently in our dimension to give to give the effect of being part of this reality when in fact they're from someplace completely different. Now we have another article here posted uh, on the Twitter account. Just give me one second to get to it. Where we get into this a little bit more and really try to examine some of the the connections between uh, the Bigfoot phenomena and some of the other paranormal stuff that that we see. There was an article written by, uh, this comes from a few years ago, and this gets into it a little bit more. I posted on here, and this is from Vice.com. Clear back in 2013, how America's national parks become hotbeds of paranormal activity. It says Bigfoot and aliens have come to overshadow the government's the government's aging database of missing persons and cold cases. This is by Sarah Emerson. Now it says, um, The disappearance of Stacy Ann Harris has a cultish online following on dozens of redit threads and chat boards. Thousands of people, strangers, intimately familiar with her life, obsessively dissect her vanishing. Her vanishing. The case is mysterious, eerie, and frustratingly unsolved. Eris went missing from Yosemite National Park more than 30 years ago. She just seems to have disappeared, the park's then-superintendent Robert Benweiss told the Fresno Bee. It was in the afternoon on July 17, 1981, when a group of six, plus Eris and her father, rode into Sunrise High Sierra Camp on horseback. The camp sits 9,400 feet above sea level and is regarded for its historic significance being the final stop on, on Yosemite's uh, mountain chalet loop. It was built in 1961 to make backcountry an alluring destination for tourists, offering stunning wilderness vistas 
but also creature comforts like showers and reasonably comfy beds. Eris told her father that she wanted to photograph a nearby lake. It, was, it wasn't terribly far, just over a bluff. She declined to he declined to accompany his daughter, 14 at the time, but an elderly man from their, from their group would tag along. At some, and at some point, the 77-year-old man grew tired and sat down to rest. Eris, seemingly determined to reach the water, trekked onward. Back at camp, the group's guide remembered noticing her from afar. She was standing on a rock about 50 yards south of the trail. According to a summary of her official cold case file, that was the last time anyone saw Aris. For the last time anyone is known to have seen her, she vanished that day without a trace, leaving only her camera lens behind. Search and rescue teams eventually stopped looking for her, looking for Aris, but that hasn't stopped her case from finding new life. Today, the teenager is well known among paranormal enthusiasts. Her disappearance and hundreds of others compromise a strange portfolio of mysterious National Park vanishings loosely tied together by a few common and dubiously supernatural themes. Well, the slant of this article, of course, with a lot, has a little bit of a debunking edge to it, but the fact is this young girl uh, disappeared without a trace in an area where lots of people seem to have disappeared without a trace. And as Politis has pointed out, a lot of times they bring dogs in, they can't find, they can't track, they can't find people. They just they just disappear, and we have to ask ourselves: um, Are these poor people? That, are we just not not that good at finding bodies, or has something happened where these people have been removed completely off the scene? And when you look at how the national park responds to inquiries, and a lot of you probably are aware of this, how Politis has requested a list of missing people, only only to be told that either they don't have a list, or that if they were to compile a list, it would cost them a million dollars or something crazy like that. At some point, you have to ask yourself, are these bureaucracies being incompetent, or are they complicit? And when you hear stories uh, like from the troopers that Politis talks about, who said, well, we all, we're all talking about this, but people are afraid to talk about what's going on. Well, what are they afraid to talk about? It's like people are speaking of these uh, missing folks in hushed tones, as if somebody has a pretty good idea of what's going on, but everybody is afraid to talk about it. This is something that we see, a phenomenon that we see happen over and over again in UFO investigation. Whenever government bureaucracies uh, are involved, and the further you look into this uh, situation, the more you examine how the park, how the how the park systems, how the federal park service reacts to these things, the more it looks like their reaction is something right out of the deep state playbook. We see uh, we see how people like Politis are pretty much resisted. It's as if they don't want any independent investigation. They're putting up roadblocks to the truth, quite frankly. And then when people ask for data, well, either we don't have it or you can't have it. Uh, just simple things that could be collected that would help. And it just demonstrates uh, a facade of incompetence. But anytime that I come up against, uh, anytime I see this, this happen where... Uh, government bureaucracy or some arm of the deep state claims to be incompetent, a lot of times it's something a lot more nefarious than that. A lot of times 
I believe that people at the very top probably do know what's going on. Some people have gone so far to say that these missing people, well, a lot of them probably are missing just from regular normal things. Maybe they've fallen off a cliff or they've drowned or whatever. It seems as if Politis says there's 1,200 of them here he's found that are completely unexplainable. Situations where they brought in uh, church dogs, church crews, could not find him. Or possibly they, they did, possibly they did find a body which almost looked like it was staged by a serial killer uh, halfway up a mountain where there was no way the person could have climbed that high. You have these very strange missing cases. It, they Actually, they have a lot in common with with the uh, cow mutilations and the fact that maybe the person is not mutilated, but in the way the bodies are almost staged, or sometimes uh, they're never found at all. They're just, as he says, they seem to be lifted off the face of the earth. When you consider that, and consider the fact that a lot of people have seen, have there been plenty of sightings with uh, uh, Bigfoot-type creatures in conjunctions with UFOs, you really have to ask yourself, what's going on here? The fact is, we aren't getting good answers from the park department or from our own government. Now I found another article here from HuffPost.com and this is an older one too. It goes back to uh, June 7th of 2012 but I thought it was pretty well written. And the comment, it kind of gets us a little more to the point. It says it was uh, written by Franklin, Dr. Franklin Rule, PhD. The title is, Is Bigfoot Possibly an Entity? HuffPost.com like I said, back from June 7th, 2012, it says, rather than, being, rather than being a missing link between man and the apes, Bigfoot may possibly be an alien entity. This intriguing possibility is derived from evidence in several solid UFO cases. The earliest clues date back to 1888, when a cattleman described an encounter with friendly Indians in Humboldt County, California. They led him to a cave where he saw a hefty humanoid creature covered in long hair, shiny black hair, with no neck, sitting cross-legged. One Indian told him three of these crazy bears had been, had been cast out of a small moon that dropped from the sky and landed. The moon then ascended back into the air. So it's highly likely the crazy bears were really Bigfoot and the moon a spacecraft. And that does seem like that would be, that would be a, a reasonable explanation. And we have talked before in this podcast about uh, crazy bears, Native American stories surrounding Bigfoot. Now, the article continues. Now, fast forward almost 100 years to 1973, and Mrs. Reva Hetfield, she and her 13-year-old son were sleeping in a trailer in Cincinnati, Ohio, on the morning of October 21st. Reva arose at 2.30 a.m. to quench her thirst and noticed strange lights in the adjourning parking lot. Looking out the window, her attention was drawn in particular to an inexplicable cone of light shaped like a huge bubble umbrella about seven feet in diameter. Now, if that wouldn't get your attention, I don't know what would. The article continues. It says, Nearby, she spotted a grayish, ape-like creature with a large, downward-angled snout, no neck, and a sizable waist. Moving slowly, it then entered into the light. About five minutes later, both eight man and UFO disappeared. Another dramatic incident occurred a few days later on October 25, 1973. A group of farmers in Fayette County, Pennsylvania, caught sight of a dome shaped UFO that was brightly lit and about 100 feet in diameter. As the locals drove toward it, they saw a pair of gargantuan creatures covered with thick, matted hair. 
luminescent green eyes, and long arms that dangled below their knees. A farmer's son fired a gunshot at the creatures, one of which raised his right hand in the air. And at that very moment, the UFO disappeared. Then the two Bigfoots escaped into the woods and were never seen again. The article goes on and says, Dairy farmer William Bosak of Frederick, Wisconsin, was returning from a co-op meeting about 10.30 p.m., on December 9, 1974, when he nearly slammed into a globular UFO on the road in front of him, its bottom half enshrouded in fog. Now, think about this. This is something that we see uh, over and over again when these UFOs, it describes it as globular. globular. <laughs> when these uh, uh, UFOs seem to be uh, of the shape-shifting variety, and that is uh, oftentimes they are uh, described as being in this, this uh, almost like a fog where um, you can't quite make out the UFO, but something is happening where the UFO is almost assuming a particular shape. And it's as if this energy, perhaps, or whatever this thing is from, uh, from an alternate universe or parallel universe or uh, extra dimension, seems to be slipping into our dimension and assuming this shape. Uh, perhaps it assumes this shape because it's it's something that it thinks that humans would recognize and not be afraid of. And then out of this thing actually comes this Bigfoot. It says, inside the visible transparent dome, inside the visible transparent dome was a six-foot-tall ape-like creature with reddish-brown fur covering its body except for the face and distinctive pointed ears. It appeared to be operating a control panel. As Bozak passed by, the object suddenly arose and disappeared. Now that would really have to be something to see. To see this, to see this UFO there with this uh, dome shape and this ape-like or Bigfoot-type creature inside that UFO operating, operating a control panel. And this has to really stretch our definition of what a Bigfoot is. Uh, for people that think that Bigfoot is some type of uh, biological uh, creature, uh, a physical creature, uh, this eight-man primate that runs around uh, out in the backwoods and is somehow clandestinely uh, living off pine cones. When you compare that to this image of this hairy creature, this Bigfoot-type creature, operating a spacecraft, it gives us a totally, definition, totally different definition of what these things are. You know, one definition tells us that these things are undiscovered animal species, but when we look at these things as possibly being a, a non-human entity that's moving in and out of our dimension, that, that explains a lot more, in my opinion. It says, <clears throat> It appeared to be operating operating a, a control panel as Bosick passed by. The object suddenly arose and disappeared. In August 1976, after a series of UFO sightings around Rutland, British Columbia, Canada, several men and their children saw a hairy ape-like entity, six to seven foot tall, roaming about a mountainside. They also found a clump of hair that was sent into the Royal Canadian Mounted Police for identification. Laboratory analysis confirmed it was primate hair, but significantly it could not be matched to any known species on Earth. Now, this, this allows us to entertain the notion of possibly these Bigfoot are some type of uh, alien-human hybrid where aliens have been... Uh, experimenting enough with human DNA over your generations that they finally have been able to create this large uh, humanoid primate that we call Bigfoot. That would also explain 
uh, why these things come and go the way they do. It says here in August 1976, after a series of UFO sightings around Rut Rutland Bush, culminated several men and their children saw a hairy space-like entity. Now, as, <clears throat> as we say, these things often show up around these missing person cases where uh, Plotus has talked about this, where people have gone missing at the same time there have been Bigfoot sightings uh, reported in the area. Uh, it goes on, it says, perhaps the Bigfoot creatures are UFO pilots landing on Earth for exploratory purposes, or conceivably higher level ETs are leaving behind some of these specimens as guinea pigs to test our environment for long-term survival. Or possibly these Bigfoots are criminal entities being deposited on Earth as a form of cosmic deportation. Well, possibly these things could also be uh, alien, uh, I guess, worker bees, you could say, sent here to do uh, whatever their masters uh, want them to do. The, the thing that really, um, that really seems to stick out of my mind about these Bigfoot sightings is the fact that there's so much, um, th there's a lack of clarity around them. You see uh, videos are always grainy. We, we can't seem to get any real clear, concise data. Now, there's been a lot of good uh, research done into the uh, Bigfoot footprints to try to be able to determine the size and the weight of these creatures. But as far as actually uh, being able to track them as a species, uh, develop a database of the population or anything like that, it seems as though these things are so big and they, they would require uh, so much food on a daily basis that it would be pretty much nearly impossible for them to conceal themselves in the long term in these, even, even in these great wilderness areas. You look at these wilderness areas and you have to ask yourself, well, how many grizzly bears are present? You know, what, it, seems like all the, it seems like the majority of the uh, energy, if you will, and, the, and a lot of these uh, rugged wilderness areas uh, is, is taken up by uh, plant life, trees, pine cones. I mean... You don't see this. You don't see this uh, really complicated, uh, productive e ecosystem like you would uh, in a rainforest, say. So you have to ask yourself, well, what in the world would these things would these things be eating all day? Yeah, maybe there could be two or three of them out here could survive. But how could how could large groups of ten or twenty or thirty of these four or five hundred, six hundred pound hominids survive? It seems a lot more likely to me. Uh, based on the evidence that we have, which is scant video evidence, uh, limited uh, footprint evidence, but a lot of, you know, pretty reliable eyewitness accounts, is that these things are much more likely to be some type of non-human entity. And that explains why they don't require habitat to survive. That the way people cite these things, it's not as if they're citing a grizzly bear out in the forest. They're seeing these large, these large, uh, eight men or hominid, and they're seeing them under circumstances that are a lot like what a person sees when they witness a UFO or possibly some other paranormal event. Secondly, we've got, we have enough uh, eyewitness accounts of UFOs either operating, enough accounts of uh, Bigfoot either operating a UFO, being near a UFO, or being transported up and down from a UFO to really make a connection there. Now, when we add all this information together and stop and think about some of the uh, missing persons accounts that Pilates has come up with, 
where Bigfoot had been spotted in the area or interactions between uh, uh, missing children uh, specifically and Bigfoots have been documented. It really starts to look as though these things are some type of non-human entity set here, sent here by uh, the UFO phenomena to either interact with or to possibly abduct humans. And that's the scary part of it. Now that might seem like a, a little bit out on the limb, but when we stop and consider the possibility that these things are really uh, a negative type entity sent here to take advantage of people, and then we see how the National Park Service reacts to questions about this, how defensive they become, and how they just uh, put the walls up and refuse to uh, cooperate with any kind of an independent investigation, it really makes you have to wonder. Are Bigfoot simply a non-human entity associated here possibly with UFO phenomena? I think it's a real possibility, but you know, it's going to require uh, more research and it's up to you to make up your own mind. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.